Welcome to the Writer's Right Podcast, the show where every writer has the right to speak their mind. I'm your host, Joshua Howe, and as always, we'll be giving attention to the last thing my guest has written, and their writing process is what I usually say, but the Writer's Right Podcast has made a return. You might have noticed uh, I haven't been doing these podcasts for a little bit. Um, I've got a lot going on in my personal life, a lot of movement, um, doing sport journalism at school, so a lot of that's taking up my time. I've moved back to near Toronto and Mississauga, a whole bunch of things going on, but the podcast had to come out of hiatus because Mark Gasol is going to be a Toronto Raptor. It's the biggest deal of today on trade deadline day, and uh, who better to talk about it with than Anthony Doyle? Uh, one of my fellow Ra- Ra- Raptors Republic members, and, uh, you know, pretty much the guy I've had on the podcast the most for these sorts of things. We did the uh, Kawhi trade together, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to have you back on, man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's It's been a long, emotional day. <laughs> it really has. I, I feel like I've been talking about this trade since the moment it happened, and uh, I've been going over and over in my mind how I feel about it. I, want, I just want to get your initial reactions on the trade. How did you feel when you first saw that this deal was going down? My initial reaction was I didn't. I hate. I hated it right away. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we'll, we'll. I'm sure we'll get into how I feel about it now. But right away, I didn't like it. I had written just a week ago. I, in the last two weeks, I've written two pieces separately about. Jonas Valanciunas and how his absence has, effect, has affected the Raptors and how they've had this rough stretch through December and January where they haven't quite been themselves. Their team identity has suffered. And now Kyle Lowry's shooting issues can kind of be tied back to the absence of Valanciunas. And all of these things that it was, you know, we were waiting for the moment of Jonas's return to sort of judge what the team would be going towards the playoffs. And then this morning we get the tweet that's he's back from the Raptors account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, you start mentally preparing yourself, okay, now the team can start moving forward. Now they can be the team they're meant to be. And just, like, hours after that, he's gone? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things about this team that, that I'm, that I'm going to think about, I guess, like, kind of forever now, is that we never really got to see the team as currently constructed at the beginning of this season the full way through because of the injuries, because of, you know, you know, this guy being out and then that guy being out and not being able to build the chemistry and whatever. Like, we never got a good Kawhi Valanciunas chemistry going. Uh, it was only just starting kind of when Valanciunas was going, went down. Um, like, that, that's the kind of stuff I'm going to think about in, in the future with this deal, even if it ends up working out really well. Like, you know, what, what would have happened if... Uh, most of the guys on the team had stayed healthy and they developed a chemistry and they got rolling. I mean, they were doing really, really well before JV got injured. So, you know, we could be, we could be in a whole different spot if he never went down. And he was playing so well in December before he got hurt too. Yeah. Um, he, he just, he was just having monster games for the Raptors. And like the Raptors are a pick and roll team. That's Mm -hmm. this team's identity is, Kawhi's a pick-and-roll guy. Lowry's a pick-and-roll guy. Fred generates a lot of his off-the-dribble offense through the pick-and-roll. And then Jonas got hurt, and it was like, you have this pick-and-roll team, and you don't have a roll man anymore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean that, like, that's, that's, that's one of the things, like, uh, like, Gasol, so, like, talking about Gasol coming in, like, his game 
is so much different than Valanciunas's. Like, there's certain things he's going to have to do that Valanciunas did that just like that are just necessary. Like, he's got to be setting good picks and things like that because he'll be one of the only guys that can do it, <laughs> just like Valanciunas was. Because Lowry's not setting all of them. But yeah, like, you know, he's he's much more of a an offensive hub type player than Valanciunas was. Like, ideally, it can work out pretty well if you know, it takes the ball out of Lowry's hands some more, maybe he's able to get him some rest, maybe has him spotting up more, it's not using him quite as much, whatever. That's a lot to work through in like 28 to 29 games or whatever's left though. Um, but that's the kind of strength that Gasol brings with the playmaking that Valanciunas didn't. But, you know, Lowry's so used to being the guy who has to run things and, and hit the roll guy and stuff like that. Like, I, I'm a, I'm a little concerned that... In the term, in going forward, in terms of chemistry building, you know, Gasol just becomes like he just fills the Valanciunas role and ends up doing the Valanciunas like things when there's other things that he's better at and can do, but the Raptors just aren't necessarily prepared to to use them properly. Uh, so I just feel like that's one of the concerns, like with such short time remaining in the season. What do you think? I I agree with that, and I, and I want to say this, like. I think most of the things that people are going to talk about and say, well, Marc Gasol does this and Jonas doesn't, aren't actually things that Jonas can't do. They're things that the Raptors didn't really let Jonas do. Sure. And I'm sure later in the pod we're going to get to all the Jonas stuff. And you know, but, but I think that was part of the reason I was so down on the trade right away is the I think Jonas can do like 95% of what Mark can do in terms of positives, but he's younger and healthier and a little. I mean, Jonas is known as a slow guy, but he's quicker than Mark Soul is at this point. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, right away it was, well, what does Mark bring that Jonas can't? And I started to realize as the day went on that I was asking the wrong question, is because it shouldn't be what does Mark do do that Jonas can't. It should be what is Mark going to do that Jonas wasn't? Because a lot of things that he had shown the ability to do in spots, they weren't really asking of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're going to put Mark Gasol in a place to do those things because you you don't trade for him without having him there to do those things. Yeah. So that's sort of where I think some of the benefit is going to come in is you know, they're going to let him handle the ball in the, in the high post as a passer. Mm-hmm. Jonas could do that. I, you know, I wrote a piece uh, last year, the beginning of the season. so a while back. I don't remember exactly when. But I, talking about Jonas's elbow touches and how he was actually, like, among the league leaders in efficiency when he got elbow touches, both as a scorer and as a passer. Yeah. And he barely ever turned it over from there. The Raptors just didn't go to that. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, trading for Marcus Gasol, you have to go to that. That's who he is. So that'll be a new a new element. And it's it's a lot of these things where it's not necessarily he's better at Jonas than those things, but he will do them. He will be asked to do those things. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and Marcus Gasol is one of the best passing big men the NBA has ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. I mean, it's one of the things like uh, that the Raptors are going to have to learn to do is like like you're right that that uh, they are going to have him uh, set up in the high post 
to to you know to go to work like uh, what he's always done, and he's such a great passer from there. The other Raptors are going to have to cut more, um, and we'll see you know who kind of develops a quick chemistry with him that way. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Lowry reacts being off ball more. Um, I, I feel like some guys like OG's a, a naturally good cutter. Siakam's a naturally good cutter. Um, they're going to have to do more of that. Uh, you know, uh, on paper, Siakam and Gasol are a phenomenal fit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Even, even spreading the floor wise, like you know, Gasol does that as well. I mean, I, from an offensive perspective, that's the most exciting thing about Gasol is the offense that he brings. I, I do think. The defense, that's where my initial concern was from, is that the defense, on the defensive end, he slipped a little bit. And, you know, that's understandable. He just turned 34. Um, he's on the, you know, decline of his career. Um, but, again, um, like uh, like Sean Woodley and others have mentioned, I mean, you have to look at the context, too. And Memphis is, you know, has been a brutal place for him the last season and a bit, you know. Um, it's been tough with Fisdale and having a bad team and, how much of it was just, you know, him not playing to his full uh, full effort level, stuff like that. Are we going to see him just trying as hard as he can in Toronto? And uh, will he still be unable to do certain things, or will he be able to get right back there just because of the, the increased effort? Um, you know, and obviously he's going to have better defensive players around him that will help. But, uh, you know, some of those numbers are um, still, like, they're a little concerning, you know, especially for a guy who's 34. Yep. Oh, ab- absolutely. Um I think a lot of people would be surprised to know where the rim protection numbers are for Valanciunas and where they are for Gasol. Yeah. Because a lot of people assume that Mark Gasol is coming in as this dominant rim protector that the Raptors didn't have. But, like, Valanciunas was, before he got hurt, when his sample size qualified for league leaders, Mm -hmm. he qualified as one of the best rim protectors in the league. Yep. Um... And Marcus Gasol hasn't been very good there this season. He, I think he's giving up 62% at the rim right now. And Jonas was giving up, I believe, 48 or 49%. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, and maybe the people who are saying it was effort and it was team composition for Gasol, there's probably something to be said there. He's definitely going to be playing with better perimeter defenders around him in Toronto than what he had in Memphis. So maybe that helps. But it definitely has to be a little bit of a concern. Um, my other concern is, what does this do to Ibaka? Mm, yeah. Because Serge had found this role yeah. where it was like, he was playing with Kyle so much, and Kyle just gets him good shots all the time. Yep. Every minute or two that Serge is on the floor, Kyle is looking to find him a shot where he can take a good look at the basket. And it just generated this energy for Serge that has helped him have these amazing games that he's had all season and sustain his energy. And that just, that rhythm that they've developed as a pairing, like, now you can't start Serge. I mean, there's no way you can take Siakam out of the starting lineup the way he's playing right now. Mm -hmm. And Marc Gasol's not going to come off the bench. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny, you know, I, we've, I, I've had conversations now with a few people about uh, what the lineups are going to look like, and I, I basically came to that same conclusion pretty quick. Like, I, I mean, you know, Siakam's been so good as a starter. 
Um, no matter what, you're going to have to stagger guys with the bench anyway, especially with DeLon being in the trade and his playmaking gone as well. And, I mean, yeah, you don't, like, you don't want to have Ibaka starting next to Gasol. You could go to the more traditional route, but... I don't. I think that you know you're just putting Ibaka back in a position to you know not be as successful. He's going to be doing what he did last season a lot more, where he's floating around the perimeter again and just kind of being a spot up guy. And that's not what you want from him at this point. Um, and especially with Delon Wright gone, yeah, as well, because mm-hmm. I mean now that that bench is really light on playmakers for the Raptors. Yeah, and I, I mean maybe. They have some roster spots to fill. Maybe they'll find somebody in the buyout market, but we don't know what that looks like yet. And there's a lot of guys who are speculated to be hitting the buyout market who teams are coming out and saying, we're not buying that guy out. Yeah. yeah what I do, mean, what do you do in New the, York? Like, buy DeAndre Jordan. I don't know what you're doing, but anyway. <laughs> um, but, like, Atlanta, who the Raptors played tonight, Atlanta said they're not buying out Jeremy Lin. They're not buying out Dwayne Dedman. They're not yeah. buying out Vince Carter. Mm-hmm. And every time a bad team makes those decisions, it shrinks the market a little bit more. And there's a lot of teams looking for guys on the buyout market right now. Yeah, there are a lot more buyers than sellers at this deadline. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm uh, concerned about the Raptors bench after this trade. Yeah, that's one of the things I was, I was concerned about too with with the lawn going out. Um, just, be, just, and you know what? It's funny. Part of it is the concern is, um, it's it's in line with the coaching. See, I'm still more of an optimist with Nurse than maybe some are. I feel like he has really had an up and down season. Like he's had some games where he's just coached it perfectly, and then other nights where you're like, I don't know, I don't get it. Why is he playing the full bench right now? Whatever, whatever you know, whatever it is, and. Why is the rotations this way? And, you know, maybe he's just trying something, but, like, there are things that he's clearly seen that work, and sometimes he just goes away from them, and it's a little bizarre. And, you know, in a situation like this where you lose one of your uh, better bench playmakers, and, you know, in recent games, he's had a string of recent games where he's decided to play the full bench lineups and um, to, you know, different levels of success. And, you know, kind of lucky right now if, if the bench doesn't get obliterated when it's the full bench lineup out there, um, especially with the way Monroe was playing recently, uh, you know, and having to play because Valanciunas was out. But, I mean, I mean that's tough. Like, well, like you can't do that now. Like, now you need one of Lowry, Siakam, and uh, Kawhi, or Kawhi out there to be a, a primary ball handler. Like, you, you have to have these guys out there. <laughs> it's just, there's no option anymore. Like, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter who you're getting in the buyout market either. Like, these are these. This has to be happening, and of course the rotation w- will and should tighten come the playoffs. But you know we're we're getting closer to that point, so you got to imagine that Nurse is going to try and kind of tighten things up, and as they get closer to the playoffs, sort of play the rotations and style that he thinks um, he's gonna he's gonna end up playing as we progress into the postseason. And to add to that, with Delon Wright gone, it's now way more important that. Fred Van Vliet's minutes be optimized. Mm-hmm. He can't be out there where you've got him at the top of the key running a set where he's got a big man setting a screen for him and you've got Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, and Pascal Siakam all spotting up in the corners. Like, <laughs> that that can't be happening. Yeah. Um, Fred has to be used as a spot-up guy. He has to be used as a defender. He has to be used as a secondary initiator in the offense where he's looking for matchups. 
And he's great at those things. Look what he did tonight. Yeah. I mean, 30 points for him tonight. Mm -hmm. And he was fantastic. And it was mostly him playing with either Lowry or Siakam doing the heavy lifting as the initiator. And he was playing off them. Mm-hmm. And that's that he has to do that. That's where, what the Raptors need him to do, because there's going to be times where his minutes have to come in shorter stretches and in more compressed stretches where he's carrying more. And he has to be doing that right. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I'd have liked from Van Vliet over the last you know month or so, uh, whatever, um, is... When he is out there with Ibaka, he has made more of a concerted effort to hit him in the pick and pop and the pick and roll. You know, probably getting that from seeing, you know, Lowry do it so successfully this season and watching tape and whatever. But I, I have noticed an increase when he's out there with Ibaka that he's trying to find him, um, which is good. Because uh, earlier in the season, uh, he had he had a bit of blinders on, which is kind of unlike him, just trying to attack the rim out of the pick and roll all the time. But, yeah, no, that's um, that's definitely true. Um, yeah, we're going to have to see with Gasol, uh, just, you know, how he, you know, how he acts in those situations in terms of being the, the role guy. That's never really been like his thing, but like, I, I, I find it so hard to just see the Raptors like immediately switching everything up and just going away from doing a lot of that. Like there's, they're so used to doing it consistently and, like, it's one of the only things Kawhi knows other than isolating here in the Raptors' offense is, um, you know, this is kind of the way they run things. Uh, so, you know, it, it's Lowry. It's Lowry's bread and butter. He's a pick-and-roll maestro. Yeah, I, I just think I think the ideal, uh, uh, you know, version of that uh, fit offensively is, is really great. I'm just not sure the Raptors necessarily have the time and uh, ability to build chemistry to get there by the end of the season, I hope so. It'd be, it'd be really cool to see, but uh, I'm not I'm not set on it yet. Um, but you know, so we've talked a lot about the na- the concerns about this trade. I I want to switch it up though and talk about some big positives here. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And I want to throw one at for, at you here. I want to yep. describe a lineup on a champion. Okay. You've got Kawhi Leonard. You've got Danny Green. Mm-hmm. You got a point guard who's been an all NBA guy, who's lost a step a little bit, but who's still pretty effective. Mm-hmm. You've got a versatile big man who can play multiple positions, who can play make a little bit, who can shoot a little bit, but he's not a great shooter, mm-hmm. but who can create offense in a lot of different ways. And then at the center position, you've got an older guy, a former defensive player of the year, who, you know, rebounds, who passes, who scores, creates shot in the mid range game. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty good, right? Yeah, it sounds really good. That could be describing the Raptors' starting lineup that they're going to have. Yeah, that could also be describing the best lineup for the 2013-2014 Spurs. Hmm. Interesting. Tony Parker, slower point guard, lost a little, lost a step a little bit. Not the best defender at that point in his career, but he still ran the offense well. Mm-hmm. Still, you know, kept everybody involved. Mm-hmm. You got Danny Green. You've got Kawhi Leonard. You got Boris Diaw was the power forward <laughs> in those starting lineups. Yeah, there's some similarities between Boris Diaw at that point in his career and Pascal Siakam. Yeah, in a and weird way. Got, yeah, and then you've got Mark Gasol now coming in and playing the Tim Duncan role. Mm-hmm. And that was 37 year old Tim Duncan. That wasn't spry Tim Duncan anymore. 
Mm-hmm. And that that team beat the Heels in the finals. Yeah. And to me, that's like, you want to talk about Kawhi Leonard, a guy who's struggled a little bit to find his comfort zone this year. Well, how do you get that back for him? Put him in something familiar. And to me, one of the biggest possible upsides for this trade, this is one I didn't really want to bring up on Twitter, but it, it occurred to me this afternoon. All of a sudden, I was like, Mark Gasol can be like the new Tim Duncan for Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi never played with young, spry Tim Duncan. Like, he didn't, that didn't, there was no overlap there. He played with older, slower Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. who who was still a great positional defender, who still had those instincts, but who, who wasn't the same guy athletically, and who created a lot for the guys around him. And that's who Mark Gasol is on at this point in his career. And I think there's a chance, there's that familiarity there that helps Kawhi acclimate himself, helps him get rolling as we move towards the playoffs. And I, I really like it from that perspective, if that's what Masai is thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some some real potential there if, if Gasol and Kawhi can both embrace that together. Yeah, I like that comparison. It's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way at all, actually. But, um, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, put, putting Kawhi in any kind of scenario that gets him more uh, comfortable is definitely important. Even even just the move itself to show Kawhi that, you know, uh, mass eyes in on this year. He wants to win this year. He wants to make winning moves. Um, that You know, that's the kind of move that makes a splash a, a franchise player would notice. Yeah, and, and in terms of in terms of fit like that, um, definitely it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, I'm thinking about the Siakam Diaw comparison. It's fascinating. They're both Swiss Army type guys. Obviously, uh, some differences in their game. Siakam's like a whirlwind on the in transition, and Diaw not so much. Um, and, and Siakam's an, a far better defender. Than uh, Diaw yeah, was. yeah, far better defender. Um, Boris Diaw though almost stole the uh, Finals MVP there that in uh, that year. So. But that sort of Swiss Army knife type guy on offense, right? Yeah, that's where that's where I see some similarities there, and mm-hmm. like, I I think there's a lot of similarities between who how Tony Parker kept himself useful for those Spurs teams at the end of his career, yeah, and some of the things that Kyle Lowry is doing at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, I, that's one of the things I've been pushing for Kyle Lowry to. Uh, do more as he as he continues to age is work on his floater game and i have noticed that he's uh he is starting to uh take some more sometimes he'll, he'll in certain situations he pulls up in the key more than he used to uh because he's, he's so you know set on driving to the rim and being a bulldog into the rim before but obviously as he's getting older it's getting tougher for him and especially with the injuries and all that so i'd love to see him continue to take more floaters and obviously tony parker is you know, one of the best that floaters we've seen in the NBA history. So, um, should take a page of his book there too. And, and also, I mean, Kyle and Mark Gasol have been teammates before. Yeah. Um, obviously it was before either of them hit all NBA levels, mm-hmm. but there's familiarity there. They know each other. You have to think there's a possibility that played into the move. You have to think that, you know, there's a good chance Kyle was already on board with the move because of that. Maybe that familiarity helps 
get Kyle going again. And I, I think there's potential here. I mean, that doesn't erase my concerns, mm-hmm. but I, I do think there's potential here. And as, you know, somebody who's a friend of both of ours on Twitter, Anna Jane Smith has said a couple times mm-hmm. today, she said, like, on paper, you could make the case that Gasol at this point in his career might be a downgrade over JV. Yeah, I, but, I was making that case earlier today. <laughs> but the game isn't played on paper. It's true. And the reality was the Raptors weren't going to bring JV back and start playing him 28 minutes a game. That's also true. They were going to play him 16 minutes a game. They were going to be 16 great minutes. Mm-hmm. But the Raptors have never really embraced Jonas as nope. a rotation guy. And, like, I mean, I, I don't want to start getting into the, the emotional part of the, the Jonas conversation yet, but there, there definitely has been some unwillingness for them to embrace the fact that he's improved as a defender, for them to embrace the fact that he can do a lot of other things on offense. And they sort of kept him within this compressed role. And the fact that that box was always going to exist for Jonas on the Raptors. Mm-hmm meant that bringing in another guy gives them an opportunity to introduce some of those concepts that they weren't going to with him. So I I do see that as a, as a positive. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad. It's one of the things about Valanciunas that, and we're we're gonna we are gonna get deeper into that in a second. But um, his departure. But yeah, the I've always thought he was an underrated passer, and he just like you said, he was never really put in a position to show off those skills, but I really do think he has some passing talent. Um, he, he was showing it earlier this season a bit more than before he uh, before he ended up getting hurt and went back to more of the um, consistent you know, pick-and-roll roll man stuff and more time with the bench and all that. He was he was flashing some cool passes, but, but yeah, I, I do think, you know, he's got some other talents that maybe someone will, hey, maybe in Memphis, maybe they'll, uh, maybe they'll notice and and they'll try some different things with him. Who knows? Uh, I I don't know if I'd count on it with Bickerstaff as the coach there, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, maybe. Um, I I I think just say one thing about him in Memphis. Yeah, I I think there's a real potential that Conley Jonas and Jaron Jackson Jr. who's one of my favorite young players to come into the league in years. Yeah, kid's great. Um, I think they could really you know upset some teams this yet this season like mm. they're gonna be a tough out some nights yeah oh yeah uh and if if they use jonas correctly they're they might actually be not bad yeah he's he, you know he's gonna be out there now like if they were playing him you know um 30 some odd minutes could be averaging like 25 and 12 so i think totally see it I think I, I hope they give him a chance to showcase himself. I hope they they give him a chance to, you know, build a reputation for who he can be as a player, and then Jonas can go into his free agency in two years and you know really look to find a home for his game. Yeah, agreed. Um, I don't think this is going to be a big point of contention or anything really because uh, I, I think. No one's really this concerned about it, but how do you feel about the the contract situation? It's it's pretty much the same thing, right? Like you're, I'm I'm assuming you're not that concerned about it. I'm not that concerned about it. About Marcus Gasol's contract? Yeah. 
not. I mean, he's gonna opt in next year. Yeah, like, he, yeah, he's gonna opt in. There's, there's no way he's, there's no way a 35 year old center with his injury history is gonna opt out. Yeah, nah. especially in the, in the market this summer for bigs. Yeah, he's he's opting in. I mean, and and what's his option next year? Like twenty twenty five point five million. Yeah, it's twenty five. He's, he's not getting that in that free agent market. No, he's not. He's not. So, I, if Kawhi stays, great. If Kawhi leaves, I, I don't know what that means for Mark. He's he's probably not going to want to stick around for the rebuild year. He didn't want to in Memphis. No, no. But <laughs> I mean, it's well, that that would make it tough on him. I think if Kawhi leaves and he kind of has to choose between you know another year of just nothing really, but getting paid, or or immediately you know taking a discount and trying to win somewhere else. Cross that bridge when we get to it. I think that's yeah. Masai's approach right now. Yeah, 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 definitely. Just before we get to the Jonas stuff, how did you feel about the fact that uh, it, it seems pretty clear at this point that as much as um, Masai was searching for upgrades at the deadline, mm-hmm. we didn't, we weren't ever going to be a player in the AD sweepstakes or you know if Beal was able to be pride loose of Washington or, or guys like that. Yeah. We just weren't going to be a player because it was pretty clear at this point that, um, that Siakam and OG were never going to be included in any trade scenario. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that overall? Um, just the fact that he wouldn't include them in any packages. Yeah. Uh, I I think if they if AD actually became available and the Pelicans were interested in it, uh, I think that's nuts to say no. I don't think that actually happened. I think Massey actually would have pulled the trigger if that had actually happened. Um, I don't. I'm I'm not sure he. You know, I don't think he necessarily cares about them that much. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he just doesn't want to sell the farm or whatever the assets and that's definitely a way to look at it um for another guy that could walk in the off season and well not walk in the off season but might not end up staying and you know whatever but you could still flip him for assets later um that's I, that's kind of where i was going with it is because the report that came out was that they weren't on the table at all and yeah to me if that's the case that's a little tough for me because like if ad was out there that was the move <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, I would be shocked. Like, I, honestly, at, at this point, um, just knowing Masai's history and his, his tendency to, yeah, in some situations be cautious, but when there's a big move available, you know, he's shown a willing, a willingness to take it, to take some risks and gambles. I, I, I would be shocked if, if AD was on the table and he just passed on it. I, I, I couldn't imagine that. If he did, that would be, uh, in my opinion, a tremendously bad decision. No, I, I just wanted to sort of <laughs> cover that one because that was <laughs> sort of something that was talked about a lot today. Um, and, yeah. and, I mean, that being said, I, I love Pascal Siakam and OG. I think it would be a crime if Pascal Siakam doesn't win most improved player this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I think um, – I still think AD is probably going to end up on, on the Celtics. but At, at this point – it would take Danny Ainge screwing up the negotiations this summer for him not to end up being a Celtic. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, let's talk about Valanciunas. Um, how you feeling? Um, I, I want to say, bef- like right off the top, one of my Christmas presents from my wife 
was a signed print of Jonas Valanciunas. Wow. And I love it. And it's like... <laughs> it, I mean, beyond the fact that he was just a great player, Jonas Valanciunas is one of my favorite players to come through the Raptors organization ever. Mm-hmm. Because, like... It's not just that he did so many things so well for the team and he worked so hard and stuff like that. One of the things that made me love Jonas Valanciunas so much is that the team struggled for so many different reasons in the playoffs across those years. And he took a lot of blame for it at points when it had nothing to do with him. Yeah. And he never did anything but take things in stride. He was benched for playoff series when he was perfectly playable and he was pretty good. But he was benched because the team was trying to deal with other issues that they couldn't really address. Mm -hmm. And he just kept going and he just kept working out. And you never heard a peep out of him. Like this season, he was having the best season of his career and his minutes went down. And like, what did he do? He kept going out there and playing hard and having a huge season quietly. Yeah. And like, that's that part of Jonas's identity as a Raptor. The fact that he was, you know, the, the best teammate those guys could ask for. And while he was hurt, if you watched Kyle Lowry's presser, every time they asked Lowry about Jonas, Lowry's eyes lit up. Mm-hmm. Like it was clear that the guys loved playing with him. The guys loved having him in the locker room. I mean, remember him holding the piece of paper up with 52 on it after <laughs> DeMar's game? Like, yep. He just, he was that guy. And I've never been in the locker room. I'm not around Toronto ever because I don't live anywhere nearby. But when I talk to people who are around the team, I always got this impression that that, that was just like who Jonas was as a guy. He was just a quality guy to be around. He was a quality teammate. He was somebody who everybody loved and you know one of the longest serving Raptors we had at this point he him and Kyle were the two guys who were there from the beginning yep Kyle's now the longest serving Raptor which is kind of weird to think about um (laughs) and and like I I'll always be a Jonas Valanciunas fan wherever he plays and it's it, it it's not the same for me as if they had traded Kyle Lowry. Because honestly, if they had traded Kyle Lowry at this deadline and we had gone on to win the championship afterwards, I wouldn't have even enjoyed winning the championship the same way. Yeah, and I, I, know, I, I know people say that and they don't mean that. I absolutely mean that. Yeah, I've heard a lot of, a lot of uh, talk by hardcore fans that they feel that way. And I was going to ask you kind of, that was kind of my branch off question was, it's, you know, it's not the same. yeah, like it, as these as some of these guys get shipped out, like how are you feeling about the team? Like, do you feel more detached now? A little bit with Jonas. I mean, I, even even with Delon and and CJ for me, and I know a lot of Raptors fans right now that are like, there's a certain amount of happiness about CJ being traded that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, me too. I love CJ. Uh, um. You know, he was the bench dad. <laughs> he Last year with that bench mob, we don't talk enough about 
how important CJ was to that group, to a bunch of guys just still figuring out who they are as NBA players, to have this veteran there who's seen it all and done it all, who just like held the group together. And this year, he struggled with his shot. He, it was rough for him. Mm-hmm. But like he was always out there smiling. Yep. He, you know, he, he could have five games in a row where he could barely hit a shot, and they put him in the game and ask him to go out there and take those shots and he'd be shooting them and he'd never stop shooting them because you know that's he knew it i miss a shot i you just keep going mm-hmm. and i mean I, i'm gonna miss cj's wife too because lauren miles has been an awesome member of raptors twitter and oh, she's man. just you know she's fantastic she's she's great yeah um and you know we watched delon grow up with this team We've watched him develop himself. I'm going to miss him. There's a little bit of the the heart of that Raptors team that's gone now. And it's not the same because Kyle's still there. And Kyle, to me, is sort of the foundation that everything else was built on. Mm-hmm. So it's Jonas isn't this quite the same thing. But it, it hurts on a personal level. And I'm just... I'm hoping he finds the same kind of success that I that I'm hoping the Raptors are going to find. Yeah, definitely. He's a consummate professional. Um, definitely wishing him the best going forward, and you know, success. Uh, however, however things wind up for him, but yeah, I definitely will be watching and and hoping uh, that things continue to go well for him and Delon and CJ, of course. Um, what I wish is I wish that this would spur. Raptors fans to have the conversation that we should have had for the last five years. Yeah. And I'm trying not to get angry here about how we have been like, not me and you, but rap the Raptors fan base as a whole has been so wrong about who Jonas Valanciunas is as a player. Mm. Yeah. Um, like we blamed him for the bad defense. It wasn't him. No, and no. Valanciunas is a defender is a player who's never going to, He's not going to be a Rudy Gobert and cover up the mistakes of everybody else on the court when the defense is bad and just, like, devour space in the paint. But if everybody else does their jobs, he's not going to take anything off the table defensively either. Yeah. And, you know, this year when the Raptors had that great perimeter defense around him, the defense with him on the floor was fantastic. Yep, yep. Um, and... When he stopped, when he got hurt, our paint defense fell off a cliff. Mm-hmm. So he's not that defensive player people thought he was. And offensively, people just kind of viewed him as this post-up guy. and He's not actually that good of a post-up guy, first of all. <laughs> like, his post-up numbers have never really been elite. Yeah. He's a pick-and-roll big. He's an incredible mid-range shooter. His three-point shooting's come along. He's... Solid, you know. Yeah. Gasol's gonna Gasol's a more willing shooter than Valanciunas, mm-hmm. and a better shooter because of that. Yeah. But Jonas could do it, and he developed that because the team asked him to. And like, I just wish we could have a proper conversation about like the the role he's had on this team over the last five years, what he's meant to the team, how important he's been to the Raptors going from the team that looked like they were headed to tanking to a team that now has been at the top of the East for a five-year stretch. Yeah, yeah, I think he's definitely a, definitely a, 
a fall guy far too much or was a fall guy far too much and um, JV Hive is really he's definitely one of the more divisive players in Raptors amongst Raptors fans yeah so you know there should be some interesting uh, retrospect, uh, career retrospectives on his time in Toronto soon, um, and it will kind of, you know, whoever writes it, whatever, they will, it will tell you what the writer thinks about him. Clearly, obviously, uh, just going off of what they say about his success as a, as a Raptor and his performances in the playoffs and stuff like that. Unfortunately, if Mark Gasol comes in and is like fully healthy, Mark Gasol, which would be fantastic. Yeah, but if he's suddenly like. If he has a renaissance over the next five months... Yeah, it's just going to outshine JV. It's going to become even worse for JV in the Raptors fan base, even though, again, it's not his fault. Yeah. So, I... That sucks. Yeah. But... <laughs> I I don't know. I, I'm going to miss all three of these guys. I, I think they've all been important to this team. I respect Masai, though, because he said... Outside of the season, you know, it's all or nothing this year. And this move was a move that shows that he was not kidding when he said that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, he's definitely all in for sure. Yeah, that was this was kind of like one of the only moves he really could make realistically. Yeah, I mean, there was that weird Conley, ah. Rubio, Lowry rumor that was out there and like, it was unclear how much of that was real because on one hand it didn't seem completely believable and, and there were a few Raptors writers coming out and saying, well, the talks didn't go that far. But on the other hand, like real reputable media guys kept saying there's noise here. It's true. Yeah. Windhorst was saying it on, uh, on the jump. And, and like, I wouldn't call Brian Windhorst a liar. No, no. When he says something, it's because there's something there. So... How, how do you read that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But tonight, looking at Lowry on the bench at the end of the game when we were up by 20, he was having a great time. Yeah. That didn't look like a guy who was miserable. So I'm sure it's tough for him to see his teammates go. But I also feel like Lowry's probably in a good place where, you know, now the trade deadline's passed. He doesn't have to worry about himself getting traded. He can kind of settle things down and just move move towards the playoffs and I hope I hope his back lets him do that. Yeah, hundred percent. Um I uh so I did ask on Twitter for a uh some questions if people had questions that they wanted to fire at us real quick. Um just about the trade in general or or whatever. Uh so we do have a couple that I want to fire at you uh before we finish off the pod. Um there's a couple from uh, Clay, uh, Clayton and Zach that are kind of the same, which are basically questions about the buyout market and uh, who do you th- we think that the Raptors will fill out the rest of the roster with. Uh, I, so can you can you give me like I don't know two to three names you think the Raptors might target and uh, they have four spots open. We we kind of both mentioned um, before the podcast we assume that Boucher probably get his contract uh, converted from a two-way to a uh, full NBA deal um, to fill one of those spots. But uh, what, what else you got? Yeah, I mean, Boucher makes sense right off the bat. And then there's two shooters that we know are getting bought out. And I think there's already rumors about where both of them are going. But if those aren't happening, the Raptors make sense as a team to 
you know, kick the tires on those. And I think that's West West Matthews and Wayne Ellington. Um, both guys who you could bring in, they could be a bench shooter for the Raptors. Um, neither guy's going to give you much defensively. Neither guy's going to do much else, but they could shoot at a high level. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's a few big red flags with Ellington this season, but it's the buyout market. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you can't be uh, you can't be too choosy on the buyout market. I do think uh, I'm pretty sure Wes Matthews is really close to uh, ending up on the Pacers, uh, at least from what I saw today. Th- that one is there, and with Ellington, I've seen that um, a lot of people seem to think he's going to be on the Pistons. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Lin's interesting to me, although Atlanta signaled that he's not getting bought, bought out tonight. Uh, I, some of the guys who are getting bought, bought out, we're still going to keep hearing about. Um, you know, I saw some people bring up Ennis Cantor. I don't really have any interest in that. Mm, no, not um, really. He made such a big stink all season about wanting minutes in New York. The Raptors aren't going to have real minutes for him. And he's one of the worst defenders in the entire league. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not really I wouldn't be that interested in in him either, honestly. So it's it's really hard to say. My kind of guess is that Masai's probably going to take a close look at a lot of G League guys who we aren't hearing their names brought up. Um, Masai's already proven that he's pretty good at finding talent in the G League, so I I wouldn't be surprised if we see one or two names that completely shock everybody who hmm. end up on the Raptors roster to finish the season. Uh, and here's another one just to keep an eye on. Bruno Caboclo is only on a 10-day contract with the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> yes, bring Bruno home. Um... I don't know if Memphis is going to convert him to a full contract. I don't even know what the relationship between the Raptors organization and Bruno is like at this point. After they kind of just let him go. Um, But he's a real NBA player now. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's shown some real good stuff with uh, with Memphis. Um, And and, I mean, he can give them minutes at the four. He can shoot. He's... A quality defender at this point, he can do some things that this team could really use off the bench, so why not? Why not? Uh, <laughs> Joey asked, we kind of talked about this already, but you know, will Ibaka Gasol be on the floor at the same time? Is that a good idea? Um, yeah, my thoughts on that, we kind of talked about it already. I don't think they're going to be on the floor that much together, maybe a little bit. Um, I don't think it's a great idea. I think they're better lineups, rotations you can use than that. Um, maybe in some situations, if you just need to go big uh, against a certain team, then sure, why not try it out? But I, I don't think uh, it's going to be that way, yeah. especially with the way Nurse has coached most of this season in terms of having two guys, you know, uh, uh, these two guys play at center and with Valanciunas and Ibaka and it being extremely matchup prone, um, you know, to how he's going to go with his rotations and how he's going to set them up. So I don't think that's going to change because that's just the way he's run the season. So I, I do think it'll be Gasol starting and Ibaka come off the bench and he's going to deal with it as best he can in managing egos, but he's going to try to go at it matchup-wise like he's been doing all season. Yeah, it's, it's a matchup thing. I mean, they do have some history together. They played together on the uh, Spanish national team. Um, 
so there's probably some chemistry that might already be in place that might help facilitate those minutes. But for the most part, I expect you're going to see them splitting minutes at center, you're, and you're going to see Siakam and OG splitting minutes at the four. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know why it would have to be any different than that. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I think that's the. I think that's probably the best way to go. So. Yeah. Um. What else? Uh. Official distributor of Sears brand of GFY, whatever that means, that is a long title for a Twitter handle, um, says, my two biggest worries for the playoffs are Nurse and Kyle Lowry going MIA. What is your biggest concern? I don't worry about Lowry. I know I'm in the massive minority there among Raptors fans, but to me, the reality with Lowry is the offense is elite when he's on the floor, regardless of how well he's shooting. Because Lowry is going to put everybody else in a position to succeed. And aside from that, like we touched on earlier, Lowry's a guy who develops his rhythm offensively through the pick and roll. He hasn't had a role man beside him, so he hasn't had that weapon available to him. And it's not surprising to me that he's not as good as a spot-up shooter when he's not able to get those bread and butter buckets to sort of get him rolling. Um, So I think... You know, once that pick and roll element's reintroduced to Lowry's game a little bit more with Gasol, I mean, Ibaka can do the pick and pop, but he, he's not a roll man. He's not a threat to going to the bucket. Um, so once you reestablish that for Lowry, I think that's going to help him refine his shooters. With Nick Nurse, I'm I consider myself a Nurse realist personally. He's not going to reinvent the wheel. We've pretty much established that at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of talk coming into the season that he was this creative offensive genius. It's just not there anymore. You know, that, like that, that idea shouldn't be there because he hasn't shown that. But he's solid enough, and if he has the tools at hand, you know, the talent's going to carry the Raptors over you don't have to do a lot to create buckets for Kawhi. You don't have to do a lot to get Kyle Lowry creating easy buckets for everybody around him. Mm-hmm. So when we get into the playoffs, you have 36 minutes of Kawhi and 36 minutes of Kyle Lowry. How much do you need from the coach to keep the offense running at a high level? And the one place where Nurse has been really good has been defensively. His use of the zone defense has been brilliant in a lot of games this season. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm... I wouldn't say I don't have concerns about Nurse. I would say that my concerns about Nurse I don't think are big enough to say it'll derail the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely probably in the camp of more of a Nurse optimist in terms of just how I viewed him this season, although I obviously noticed the games where he doesn't... Um, uh, you know, it just isn't uh, coaching as well, or it should seem, but there are definitely things that he does really well. Um, after timeout plays as well, it's another thing he's fantastic at. Um, people have criticized the end of game plays when it comes to close games and game-winning shot attempts and stuff like that, which is which is interesting and different. Um, but in general, on after timeout plays, the Raptors are fantastic on those, and that's a large part due to his ability to just draw up plays based on the context of the situation, which I always find interesting. Um, so yeah, 
you know, I think I think there, there's definitely concerns there with Nurse going into the playoffs so far from what we've seen, but also uh, I, I think he has seen things that he knows work, and it's just it's really just capitalizing on those things. We don't know if he's going to do it yet, but I think it's good to know that they're there and that we know he's seen them. So, and, you know. and the other thing is, like, you know, earlier in the podcast we were talking about how we 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 didn't really see the intended version of this team, mm-hmm. which also means we never saw Nick Nurse's intended game plan for this team. That's true. Like, Nurse spent all summer working on a playbook for the squad that he thought he was going to have. And then he never got that squad. So it's possible that for a rookie head coach, he never really figured out how to adapt to all the injuries and all the things going around around the team. And that's, I don't think that's unreasonable. Like I think he hasn't been anything special, but that doesn't mean he can't improve as a coach. Sure. He's a rookie head coach. So, I I think some pessimism might be warranted based on what we've seen, but I also think, like, it's not... This is not a doomsday thing with the coach. This is not a he-needs-to-go thing. And he, you wouldn't fire a coach 60 games into a season where you've already won 40 games anyways. Yeah. True. Yeah. We're not going to David Blatt him. <laughs> no, we're not going to David Blatt him. That's... That's for sure. Um, yeah, we're uh, pretty much coming up on time here. So, uh, and it's it's uh, later. I'm not sure. I always forget. Are you an hour behind me or ahead of me? I, I'm two hours behind you. It's only oh man, jeez, you're two. It's okay. only nine thirty here. <laughs> oh great, cool. I uh, I uh, got to uh, be up at five o'clock now for school starts because of my commute, which is awesome. So. Uh, I'm, uh, as you may have noticed, uh, listeners listening to this podcast, um, if I sound tired, it's because, uh, I am constantly tired now, so <laughs> I'm learning to live that life that other people have been living for years. Um, but I, uh, it's, it's, I wanted to just thank you again, Anthony, for coming on the podcast on such short notice to talk about Gasol because, uh, the trade, because, uh, I appreciate it. Um, it's always awesome having you on. Um, yeah, you just want to, what do you want to say before we go? I appreciate the opportunity to sort of talk through all the feelings of the day. I mean, it's as much as I have some optimism, it's emotional. It's Valentinus has been here for so long. So I, I really appreciate having a chance here to sort of talk through it and deal with my own emotions. (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely. That's a, that's one of the best parts about a podcast is you can just sort of, um, almost yell into the void and just, and just, you know, and then just, and then just let it go. Uh, yeah. Um, any, any one last thing you want to plug before we go? I, all, all of my writing right now is at Raptors Republic. Um, I did the quick reaction for tonight's game. I'm probably going to write something about Jonas at some point this week. I haven't really nailed down a date yet. I, you know, this is all still pretty fresh, but Keep an eye on my Twitter feed. There will be something up there. I'm going to try to write a farewell piece to him and sort of put down some thoughts on his Raptors career. Awesome. Sounds good. Keep an eye out for that. Um, This podcast is called the Writer's Right Podcast. You can find it on Anchor.fm or the Anchor app if you have it. It's also on Apple Podcasts, so you can find it there. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Writer's Right Pod, where links to the episodes will be posted 
Um, until then, you can also follow me at Howvolution, and you can find my online uh, my own online work at Raptors Republic. Um, thank you for listening, and have a great day. <laughs>